I, James, founded and work for HPI, but do not represent them or any of their opinions. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 315 of the Furlough Bros Tech Podcast. Today is December the 5th, 2017. Every week, we definitively answer one question about the future of tech. To do that, we take into account many factors, including the companies involved, the people working for them, their marketing, and of course, the technology they're developing. I'm Matthew Dean Furlow, and engaging in infinite wars is my brother, James Furlow. Is that movie out or something? Uh, the, the first trailer was out, and it is. Oh, man. Fantastic. Have you not seen it yet? No, I stop what we're doing. <laughs> I've it came out today. Uh, it came out no, it came out like Thursday. <laughs> what? Where have I been? I don't know. How have you missed it? You know, I um, I I stopped working on Friday. I mean, on oh. Wednesday, and so I was off Thursday. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's right. Thursday, Friday, and then obviously Saturday and Sunday. I go back to work tomorrow for three days and then I'll take another four days off and then I go back to work for three days and then I actually take like two weeks off. Life is awesome right now, but yeah, that also means I'm not trying to find ways to spend my time because ah, gotcha. I'm actually doing fun things. So I'm going to have to, I'll find time tomorrow to watch it. Yeah. yeah maybe tonight. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's is it, it's good. Does it look good? Oh yeah. Well, the, the big message that I've taken away from it is a, is actually a message to DC, which is, this is what it feels like when you've earned uh, it. It uh. Well, I haven't seen that movie yet either. I, I know. I'm so far behind. If I'm honest with you, I, I finally I bought it. Logan. Finally, it was oh nice. It was on iTunes for ten bucks, so I went for it. Yeah, man. I'm kind of moved. <laughs> yeah, I I hear you. It's the movie thing. I don't know. I'm starting to move towards buying them on iTunes like months after they've come out and just watching them at home. Like I'm. I'm moving away from I, I I definitely I mean not like you come on now I'm still like you're uh, gonna watch Star Wars in the theaters well, you're not gonna wait <laughs> no you're gonna watch yeah, Infinity yeah. Wars in the theaters well no but like but I'm waiting for Justice League oh yeah, I'm not, I I do not want to be waiting for that one I wish I could go see it nah, 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 oh man nah. thankfully been- apparently it wasn't great and so no one's really talking about it which is good but someone's gonna spoil something for me at some point and I just, you know, because I'm really past the period of don't say anything. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, okay. Like, um, let's be honest. Like, if this was a show, like, like the old school show, and I was back watching movies, like, we would have spoiled it by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. But anyways. I, I'll we don't have time for this. What are we doing? Goofing no, off. Come on, James. Welcome back from Do China. It. Hopefully, Thank you're you. on the right time zone. Sort of. And we are going to be talking about, wait for it. Oh, the repeal of the open internet order, otherwise known as net neutrality. And the question is, should the FCC do that? And um, yeah, we're going there. We're doing it. And uh, I know we've talked about it once before, but like it's it's heating up because I believe it's next week they're officially voting and everyone's pretty certain they're going to repeal it. And so... Yeah, uh, let's see. This article says in roughly two weeks, and since I think we're a week after that, it's in roughly a week, the FCC's three Republican commissioners, led by its chairman, Ajit Pai, right? Or is it P? Anyways, they will vote to adopt what's known as the Restoring Internet Freedom Order. Oh, man. Man, you know what? That just sounds imperialist. Anyways, this order will replace and reverse the Open Internet Order, which was passed in 2015, so a long time ago and reclassified broadband internet service providers under Title II of the Communications Act. 
which is the legal foundation upon which the former administration, Obama's, established the Open Internet Regulators. I can't even say the sentence. Whatever. Um, the point is, in 2015, the ISPs were moved from Title One, which is a pretty light touch, you know, Wild West, do what you want to do um, classification, over to a Title Two classification, which says you guys are kind of like utilities now under the idea that everyone should have access to the internet, equal access, all these fun things, just like water and electricity and I don't know what else. Those are like the two, right? Yeah, it's, it is and, pretty onerous regulation by comparison. Yes, um, yes. Not light touch at all. The The assumption is you're a monopoly and we got to make sure that there are a lot of things you can do as a result of that. You are both a monopoly and a requirement. You're you're something yes. that society needs, but there's not really anybody to compete against. And and it's no commentary. So it's like it's easier. It's better to have just one big power plant giving power to everybody, as opposed to a bunch of little ones. Yeah, trying to get or, power. And so as a result, like it's a natural monopoly. It's a good thing to have that. Well, because the, whatever. A better, a better but, analogy is it's better to have one set of wires because. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the, because anybody can build a power plant and supply to the grid. Anybody can build a house and pull from the grid. Yeah. But only one guy owns the grid and, okay, and fair they enough. have to play nice with everybody because theoretically they could make it impossible for you to live someplace by just not turning on your power or they could destroy a power plant business by just saying, we're not going to buy your electricity. And so, right. Title two basically says, no, you got to play nice with everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And thank you for that analogy. And so um, there's been a lot been written about net neutrality. And that's, that's the, that's the shorthand term of what people are calling it. And um, even, even my wife was like, so uh, something's happening with net neutrality, huh? And mm -hmm. when she's seen it on Facebook, you know <laughs> that it's, it's, um, it's, it's burbled it's up to people permeated care. the culture. Yeah. 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 So there was a really, really, really interesting article by Ben Thompson, the writer of Strategery, which is such a great name. And um, he, put a, he put a little bit of thought into this entire debate, and he wrote an article, which I thought was worth uh, spending the most, if not all of our time, talking about. And um, the original title of the, the article, which was like throwing a flamethrower onto this little fight here, um, was why Ajit Payi is right. <laughs> and he goes, sorry, sorry. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes, he renamed it though to pro-neutrality pro anti-Title II. So which he says more reflects what the article is about. So there's a, there's a bunch of things in here. He tends to um, write long words. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put them in the, you know, in the, in the pith category. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say he's, he's not great on Twitter. And so, um, actually, I don't know if that's true or not. Sorry, Ben. Um, you might be fine. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what's super cool about him is like his job, his livelihood is that website. He charges, uh, it's like a hundred bucks a year to be part of his daily mailing and he gives you thoughts and insights and Every once in a while, he puts one out there that everybody can read, and this was one of them. So uh, he comes out and uh, says essentially that um, because I'm 
I'm trying to figure out even like where to start because he just like he jumps right into it. Actually, he starts with a picture of um, of Portugal, and it's essentially it's saying like, "Hey, you want to know what the web would be like if you didn't have net neutrality?" He goes, "This is what Portugal looks like," and um, and it shows like different packages. Like you have your base package for thirty bucks, and then you have to add on a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, you know, you got to pay like another five dollars to get Amazon and PayPal and eBay and Skype. You got to pay another five dollars just to get your music, like iTunes or just Napster on there. Are they still around? Uh, Spotify. And uh, oh, if you want to get access to blogging platforms and YouTube and things like that, that's be another five. So it's like essentially the channel system. And he points out really quickly. He goes, uh, for starters, that is all in English. And they're all in U.S. dollars. That is made up. Which he goes, it is made up. It's a fictional example. And this is probably a, a great representation of the big problem uh, that people have with net neutrality, which is the you know on the get rid of it side is saying, well, yeah, you have a bunch of fears, but none of them are true. You're just you are you're trying to set up rules in anticipation of them happening. And then there's people on. Um, you know, on the, we need it side because they go, well, this is definitely like, this is the direction that we're headed in. And we don't trust the ISPs because they're scum buckets, which I think most people agree with. And, um, you know, and eventually they're going to figure out how to do things like this. Uh, an interesting point is that they actually do give up real Portuguese example. And the, the total cost, like if you got a total package, it's like half the price of... <laughs> what you would pay through AT&T just for unlimited. And he's like, I don't know many people who would actually be upset about this little phenomenon here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? And um, so anyway, so, so he goes on and he goes into kind of this generalized, um, uh, you know, path of saying, okay, if you decide to regulate it, which so far that's, it's this weird, like we're regulating it in such a way to say you can't close it down on anybody like you talked about. And so he's saying, there's a couple things that happen when you do that. The first one is regulation Regulation incurs significant costs. Both, there's like, you actually got to watch people and there's paperwork to fill out and things like that. He goes, and that's actually kind of the small one and in some ways, mostly the known one. He goes, the real interesting one is the one of foregone opportunities. And so he sits there and says, if you, you don't know what they're going to do because they won't be allowed to do anything. Right. That's one of the, one of the libertarian arguments against heavy regulations is the biggest number that you'll, that is impossible to calculate. Isn't how much productivity is lost to regulation by companies that are formed, but it's the number of companies that are never formed. It's the number of jobs that are never created because somebody looks at the hurdles of regulation and decides, I just won't even try. And um, right. Well, and, and here's, I, a, here's a great example of that. Our sister was at one time interested in creating a bakery and setting one up. And California has created so many rules and regulations around bakeries now, like effectively. And, you know, and they're, they're not, they're for good reasons, like, you know, health and safety and stuff like, but you can't just start up a bakery in your kitchen anymore. There are certain requirements that you have to follow and you have to do. And so the expense of starting up one of those is now huge again relative to like just baking cookies in your kitchen and selling them to people yeah. again I, i'm not saying they're bad <laughs> i'm just saying that's that's a reality of what it is and as a result of that our sister went you know what i'm gonna head in a different direction in life and uh you know and as a result like 
that's a dream she's not going to get to realize well, because and, of those types of rules that have been in place. And Again, you know are, what? Maybe that's good. I'm not saying it's, it's bad. It. I'm just saying that's, that's yeah, a cost. And, and there are, those are employees that will never be hired. Those are buildings that will never right. be hired out. And, and like you said, it's, it's one of the, it's, it, I, and I, and the reason There's why a balance, I, Danielson. I, I say, I tend to, to, I mean, this, you can't talk about this without talking politics. So I'm just going to wear it on my Oh seat. yeah. Watch me. I, I would say I tend to lean a little bit towards the side of where the libertarians come from on this, which is, you know, let's, let's allow two adults to, let's allow one adult to bake cookies and another adult to buy cookies and not worry so much about you know, the quality of the bakery. I, I'm, and, and I understand, I'm not saying no regulation. I'm, I'm a fan of regulation, but I tend to be on the like, let's, let's understand that there is a heavy cost and it may not be worth it. Um, Correct. Well, and that's got to be the question. Are we, are we willing to pay those heavy costs? And this is where it gets to point number two, which is that so far, there's no evidence of systematic abuse by ISPs when they were governed under Title I, which means there's no immediate benefits to the regulation, only theoretical ones. So we're saying they, we already know there's at least the fixed costs of having to track everything. There's this opportunity cost there, which is pretty big. And as far as we can tell, there's no immediate benefits because if the benefits outweigh the cost, again, you go to the bakery thing, right? If, if the benefit is you're not going to get sick, you're not going to accidentally eat a finger. Right. I'm just going to let that sink in. Yeah. So that's it. Like that's a high benefit in my book, you know? And so I'm like, all right, all right, that's worth yeah. it. And so, but he's saying we have to ask the question, are the benefits worth the cost? And he is saying, there's no evidence that we're going to get any benefits because they've done it. And he goes even to further saying that there is evidence that pre-existing regulation and like antitrust law, he goes along with the media pressure, that would be effective enough to policy bad behavior, to police bad behavior. And so he's going, you know, he is saying instead of waiting until like, instead of preemptively creating regulation, he goes, let's do it the way we mostly do it, which is someone starts acting bad. We create a law so that they don't act bad <laughs> anymore. And yeah, there's, uh, there's that in-between time period where you have some structural issues that need to get fixed. But as a general rule, the U.S., you know, is innocent before guilty. <laughs> and he goes, that's not what we're doing here. Okay. So can I give okay. my... Okay. Yes, my, you can. Yes, you can. So I feel like that was my setup. We're good. On, I, I would say... 99, 95% of the time, I completely agree with him, but he's just wrong. What? He's just wrong. Okay, all right. So number, one, hear. so number one, one of the interesting parts about his argument is that he talks about T-Mobile zero rating, which right. is a big argument saying that is not net neutrality. You're basically, so for example, they downgrade YouTube. You can get unlimited YouTube, but you can only use 480p. That is... That is taking a particular company, a particular type of data, and changing how you and and playing gatekeeper. It's the definition of you're giving YouTube a free pass, which gives them a benefit over other streaming services, but you're also affecting their quality, which hurts their overall how how well they you know. Yeah. There's this definitive T-Mobile is playing the gatekeeper, but, but customers tend to like it and they enjoy it and they're going for it. But the whole thing with Title II, when it was, or with, with uh, net neutrality and when the Title II regulations were installed, 
They specifically said, we are only putting this on landline ISPs. We're not doing this with mobile carriers because there's a unique difference between mobile carriers and ISPs. Mobile carriers can set up antennas on top of each other and can compete. There's right. not an and they do. And there's not an intrinsic monopoly. So market forces, if T-Mobile did something that was really toxic, I could go to AT&T. I could get the best deal. The whole point of the reason why you, 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 the reason why you regulate the electrical companies is because you don't want five different companies tearing up the center of your street to lay their own electrical cables so that they can supply, so that you can have multiple carriers. You've one guy who gets to tear up the street, and they did it a long time ago. You have the same situation with the with the um, with the internet carriers, guys that are digging trenches through your cities, laying the up, laying the most advanced cable. People don't want. People just can't. We like as a society can't sustain multiple carriers coming in and doing that, which gives at least one. You know, maybe best case scenario, depending on your market, you got three different options. So in those, there's actually a pretty good amount of competition. But for, for many markets, there's effectively only one option. And, and they have a local monopoly. If you've got a local monopoly, they're like, if, they're not being, if it's not being abused, then you shouldn't regulate it. You know, antitrust laws aren't against monopolies. Monopolies, as you've pointed out before on this show, are great. They're wonderful. They're great for, they tend to be, monopolies occur because the best company that has the best prices was so much better than everybody else. They, they succeeded and drowned out all of the other business. We like monopolies. What we can't tolerate is abuse of monopolies. So then the question totally. is, yeah, cause effectively Google and Facebook are also monopolies, right? Exactly. And they're also big time gatekeepers. Some would argue they're a bigger problem than the ISPs. Right. And they might well be, but I think the, I think the, the differentiation here is when you look at brand loyalty, when you look at customer satisfaction, Google and Facebook right through the roof, the ISPs don't. And there's a reason for totally. that because they use abusive, expensive practices all the time in what they're doing. No, it doesn't particularly pertain to this one type of regulation, but this idea of saying you guys aren't trustworthy. We don't trust you as a society. You yeah. don't act on our behalf. You don't act in a way that shows that you don't abuse your monopoly. They abuse their monopoly all the time. So, so what about the argument that he makes where he says, he goes, he's with you. Yeah. He just doesn't think, he actually thinks they're doing it the wrong way. He thinks there should be a different type of regulation. Let's actually have Congress set up rules that say, that actually stop them from doing the things that we're afraid of instead of blanketly just calling them a Title II thing? I think it's a terrible decision to have it go through the FCC. But Congress, so you agree with him? Well, in Congress isn't acting. I, yeah, I, it's, it's tough for me. I, that, that part of me is like, I, this is where it's hard for me to not get into politics because I think we are at a congressional, congressional point right now that there's no hope from either side to doing the right thing in this wow. case. And, yeah. and that's been and that so way for a while. Right. <laughs> and so, so the question then becomes, this is like the, and, and I, yeah, ideally, you know, it's, it's like, the, I don't, I, there, there are all sorts of things that are legal that you wouldn't possibly think were legal. Like it's totally legal to marry your cousin in California. Why? Cause it's never been a problem. So we never outlined it. Yeah. 
It's the land of the free. We, the only things that are illegal are things that we make illegal. And that's how it should be. You should only, you should wait for something to happen. Go, Hey, we shouldn't allow this. So, so far you're agreeing like totally with him. So I, I, I am. My problem is, is that, that <laughs> there is, there is evidence that they have monopolies. They are abusing those monopolies. There's no reason to expect that they will. Well, so he goes through and he talks about <laughs> in those areas where they've abused it, the law stepped in and stopped them. It's worked effectively. When, where, okay, maybe I missed that point. Where, where, what laws have stopped them from? from so when he talks about, he talks about, um, <clears throat> He says the most famous example was a company called Madison River Communication, which in 2005, they blocked ports used for voice over internet protocol <clears> services, <throat> the, the VoIP stuff, and presumably to prop up their own alternative. <laughs> and he says like, this is the, the conical violation of net neutrality. It's like, it's perfect yeah. because, yeah. but it was also a short lived one because Vonage, one of their competitors quickly complained to the FCC and the FCC stepped in and got them to totally stop what they were doing and agreed to never do that again. That was all under Title I. And so he sits there and says, There's, they will self-regulate. He goes, here's one example that they did it. He gives another one where it was a Comcast attempted to throttle BitTorrent in 2007. Yeah. And he goes, while the protocol has legitimate uses, that was not really the case. <laughs> you know, we're all doing private, you know, uh, piracy. And so, and he goes, and, and, he, and Comcast wasn't even really, uh, you know, worried about the illegal part of it. They were just saying like, this is killing our network. And, and so they started to throttle them. Well, the FCC ordered Comcast to stop doing that in 2008. So again, we're talking, it was a year long where this happened. And uh, it's interesting, though, that the federal court ruled that the FCC lacked the authority to do that. However, what was interesting is that before the court even ruled, Comcast already removed its restrictions because it made technical changes to the network so it could better handle it. <laughs> and well, so they were like, yeah, they, they got yelled at. And, and then they improved and they met the demand. And, and so... He says there's another one with uh, Metro PCS, uh, PCS where advocates claimed that the discount carrier, this was before they were bought by T-Mobile, blocked all video except for well, YouTube. Again, and this is the this is the pro ratings. This is the pro that's that specifically Metro PCS is still the, the what they're doing is still allowed because the regulation that was set up with Title when they switched to Title Two was saying that. Wireless companies are different. <laughs> They're allowed to do that um, because they because of the, com the the nature of competition in the wireless environment. And uh, there's a part of me that's a, that sits there and thinks. And, and he comes out and says, like the the zero rating. He goes, that's worse than net neutrality. Yeah. And I agree. and he goes, but it also we get away with it because it it goes directly to the customer and kind of lets the the customer make that choice and. And so he's like, and again, he goes, it's all about costs and benefits. Like that, the benefit there was that it brought T-Mobile, um, it made T-Mobile more competitive. And he goes, if you remember back in 2011, T-Mobile was in a distant fourth place. He goes, and so what they did was they launched their uncarrier campaign and it featured contract-free pricing. You got phone financing, there was data carryover, and there was a zero rating on a host of music and video services. He goes, and customers loved it. And as a result, T-Mobile quickly grew to be a number three. And more importantly, all the other characters now also offer 
contract-free phones with pricing plan, you know, with uh, financing plans. They allow for data carryover. And, and so he's like, net, net, that was a good thing that Which they did that. Which is why it's not regulated under Title II because there's actual competition and a competitor can come in with a better service. And it, when you- So when how do you fix the competition problem? You can't fix it. Yeah, honestly, you can fix it how, how well, okay, this is how, you're gonna love this. How other countries have fixed it is the government laid all of the landlines and then they rent to different ISPs. They lay, they own the physical pipes. So what you can do is you can, ah. tell, you can tell the companies that own the physical pipes, you have to, but you're, you're making it a Title II solution anyways. What you say is you own the pipes, but, and, and you can, you have to like, you basically have to give the pipes to anybody. You become the dumbest of dumb carriers. Anybody yeah. Create an ISP. You have to, you have a certain price that you have to sell sell them on. And this is which the carriers don't want because it hyper regulates how much money they can make. And, but that then allows competitive ISPs to come in. And then they're, then the guys. Well, and you pipe. have to decide then is the internet today, what we want the internet to be a hundred years from now, because yes. that's effectively what you're doing. Correct. And, and essentially all the virtual reality work that's happening right now is going to be done. It's, or it's never going to fully mature because you know, the only way that virtual reality and things like that are going to work is when you're getting 4k, essentially 8k for, you have two images coming into each eye well, and that requires a significantly better infrastructure. And so if you regulate them and turn them into that, you're effectively saying, yep, internet of 2017 is good enough. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to say that there's- Are you okay with that? So you're saying wait, wait, see, this that, is that cost this, is good enough for you. So this is the thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I can continue to access Google and Facebook. I, I, yeah, I think well, there's a brighter future out there. I agree. I, I, I tend to agree. Which, by the way, by the way, even if we have net neutrality, like no one can directly compete with Google and Facebook and a whole bunch of others. Those are just two really good examples. Amazon. Like the only way they're Netflix, genuinely yeah. going to be able to compete, right, is by creating a genuinely different product and some sort of different offering that miraculously those guys don't decide to copy, aka Snapchat. And so like I, I'm even just like, even if you have net neutrality, for those big guys, competition is not real. You're whatever, you know, it really doesn't well, change. The, the argument against the, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but the, the idea of rent seeking is a terrible one because one of the arguments against regulation of bakeries, for example, is that okay. if you have an established bakery, you, there, there is a benefit to you to support regulation that makes it harder to start. A totally, totally. And it, which is the definition of rent sinking. And it's where you get better at lobbying the government than innovating. And the idea that regulation does slow innovation, period. Like there's a direct correlation there. Totally. And, and so, yeah. There's something crazy. Like I think like Amazon has 77 lobbyists or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, yeah. No, I, anyways, and, so, all right. I, I'm not trying to say that So if that's the case, why regulate it? If we're already, eh, whatever. You know, I, well, because we're if not the big guys want it, then let's not do it. Well, we, and the, the problem is, is it's, it's the, you have to, uh, monopolies, monopolies are complicated. Monopolies are the greatest thing in the world until the moment they're not. And the I know, which by the way, it feels like it, the tide has turned for our big four, big five friends. Well, yeah. We used to love them as monopolies, and now we're kind of all like, I don't know about this Google and Facebook and yeah, Amazon people are, and people Apple are starting to and Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> 
They're they're ba- their oldest biggest fans are starting to. It's the King of the Hill, man. It's it's oh, classic dude. King of the Hill. They're kings of the hills. It's Amazon, mm. man. Now they're number one. I know. Well, and it's it's the <sighs> that uh, king's and, coming down. And, say, and that's the problem is it's like what you do. I I don't want super honorous regular. I don't want them to be absolutely dev- dumb pipes. I want the ISPs to be able to own and operate their own pipes because then there is a dr- a direct economic. So benefit. so what if? Okay, all right. So what if you just said Congress? I want you to make like two rules. Uh, the first rule is they, you know, all websites. If you pay for internet access, you get access to all websites. Period. And maybe even like some sort of throttling thing in there, you know, as well to say, you know, the same access to to all websites. Don't degrade YouTube on us. You know, if you can offer it for free, you know, fine. We're not, we can't stop you. But like, give it as it was intended. <laughs> Yeah. In all cases, you know, and then leave it to YouTube to decide that, uh, you know, okay, for this, whatever, we're going to degrade the, qual- I don't know. Um, what, it, like, I feel like most people could get behind that. And that would be a, is it, which one's where everyone agrees, partisan or bipartisan? Bipartisan. Bipartisan. I feel like that would be a bipartisan kind of like, yeah, quick win, you know, and then, and then leave them as title one and let them keep doing their thing. Again, uh, yeah. like, I think, not, like, yeah, I, I actually would be okay with that. I mean, I, I, I think that, that where we get the, I, I, this, this so comes back to their, their, the chickens coming home to roost. It's the, it's the fact that they are the most hated companies because they, at I know. so many turns, turns, they've abused whenever they've had local monopolies. There's they, great they, responsibility, guys. You yeah. all know the line. Yeah, they. I mean, that's where they messed up. It's, yeah, you know, you know, you would think if they just invested a little bit more in their customer service and were a little less mean about it, yeah. like just, we would not be having this yeah, conversation right now. Just let me call up and end my service like that, and people would all of a sudden you'd start to change. Oh, and when I call with a problem, don't try to upsell me. Yeah, just fix my problem and go. Have yeah. a great day. Yeah, yeah, that'd be because great. We, oh, it would completely change this conversation if we liked working with them. We Dude. would do it. I feel like, T-Mobile, yeah, right? T-Mobile makes you feel good about what they're doing. So the fact that it's like against me, I'm a guy who's like in favor of this net neutrality stuff and I use T-Mobile. Like, and I know that it's sort of a betrayal of the principles, but they're a good company. They're treating me well. They're right? Best. Okay, oh, that's so true. Which is, that's so which is true. And, and that is so the case here. It so comes down, in my opinion, to the fact that we don't trust these companies. They yeah, abuse too that's many fair. Too long. And, you know, and, and at some point, you know, society raises up. And so on one hand, I don't want the regulation to be too onerous because I, because I want innovation to continue. But on the other hand, we don't trust them. <laughs> and it's important. It's a fundamental thing to be able to survive and excel and grow. Whether you're a kid learning stuff, you're an artist exploring your inspiration or you're a business person trying to ramp up your business. You know, it's... Well, that's fair. Those are good thoughts. I'll tell you what. Why don't you tell everyone who this show is brought to us by, and then oh I got some other thoughts to close this out. That's right. Yeah. So this uh, <laughs> totally blew past. So this uh, this episode is brought to you by Pizza. Um, it's delicious. I should have had it for mm, dinner tonight. I had it for lunch. You know what? I had it. I had it like three times this weekend. I <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Honestly, my girlfriend made dinner today, and it was it was pretty fantastic. I'm not I'm not regretting it if I'm honest. Um, especially because she's gonna listen to this and be like, what? <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, pizza, man. It's great. Pizza. Uh, pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Whenever you buy pizza, you're supporting this show. So go get some. Yeah, have a slice. Um, also not, you know, there's kind of, uh, I don't know, goes along with what you're saying about the ISPs acting like pricks. Um, the FCC is kind of doing it too, which, you know, no surprise, right? Because the Jeet used to be a lawyer for Verizon, which yeah. again, you're kind of like, oh man. But anyways, um, one of the things they've come out and said is we're rejecting almost all of the, the comments that were submitted, which by the way, there were 21.7 million comments. That's a lot of comments. <laughs> there was. Turns out though that they kind of had this little uh, requirement that said, well, your responses have to be unique. Your email addresses have to be verified. And they need to contain new facts, not just opinions. Like, I think net neutrality is good. So it turned out that less than 6% of them were actually unique. And only 3% of them actually had verified email addresses. And almost none of them contained, quote, new facts. Most of them were opinions. So therefore, despite the 21.7 million comments, uh, we don't know the exact number, but essentially the FCC is saying we're ignoring all of them. Yeah, of course they are. Um, which comes out and just says, uh, spam bots, spam bots, uh, it ruined the ability for us to use convenient websites to send notes because they would like, they'd fill out a form letter for you so you could send it. The idea being, yeah, we're all saying the same thing. Yay. And they can count the number of times we're saying the same thing. But again, the FCC was kind of like, no, this is spam bots. No, we can't accept that. That's not a real comment. So, um, Yay for the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we're going to have some other articles on ways that you can reach out if for some reason you're still interested in it after this conversation, which you might be. Um, but don't worry if you're afraid of you know the world coming to an end on, is it the 14th? I think that's what it is. Uh, when they inevitably vote to repeal it, which I'm kind of in the camp of saying, I'm okay with it. I would like Congress to make a specific rule, but... I don't think anyone's going to get what they want here. Um, it turns out it's still a very complicated road. And we have an entire article that, that um, wraps it out. But here's the seven main points. The first one is that the, the Democrats, the two who are going to be against it, they're going to file a minority report, not the movie, mm-hmm. but like a report that's in the minority. And then the Republicans, the other guys will have to respond to it. Once it's become like official, and there's some questions about when the rule becomes official, organizations are going to sue. Yay, because that's what happens. They have 10 to 60 days to file. So if they do it within the first 10 days, they can pick the circuit court, and it works via a lottery system. It's kind of interesting. Essentially, it used to be whoever files first gets to pick which circuit court that it's in. They realized that was a little unfair and weird, so now they have like this 10-day grace period, and then whoever has already filed, they've, they, they really literally like, roll a dice, a 12-sided die to determine which court it goes into. Um, It's super weird, (laughs) but cool. Uh, So after it's picked, though, game's still not over. People can make motions to have it transferred to another court, and the court can decide, yeah, you know what? You're right. That would be a better court for it to go into. So that all takes time. And then once it's actually starting, someone, most likely, is going to ask for an injunction, which essentially is saying we don't want the rules to go into effect until the court makes a decision. And what's going to happen is the ISPs, they're, I mean, they're, they're slightly idiots because clearly like they could just figure out the customer service thing and like this would be solved. But uh, chances are they're not going to make any changes because in order to prove that an injunction is needed, you have to prove that there's immediate harm. And so if they don't change anything, there won't be any immediate harm. So net net, we're all going to be okay. And he says, and, and the thought is the way that it's currently been worded and figured out, I mean, it's a 200 page document, of course. 
yeah. you would think it would be a one sentence document. Like remember 2014, <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> but anyways, um, he goes, there's chances that maybe not all of it are going to be repealed, but some of it will be repealed. And um, so wait for that. And then, and then, and then they were like, and it could even go up to the Supreme court, which could be years from now. So despite what's going to happen, um, you're probably not going to see any changes just like in 2015, you didn't really see any changes. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yay. Perfect. <laughs> um, government at work. Uh, so um, so that's what you can come to expect. So it's a super interesting article. I thought Ben Thompson did a, a great job of kind of rounding it out. He had another article too, where he got a little bit more into the idea of, you know, what if you let free markets just do their thing, which is kind of where Matthew was headed. And he does this cool comparison between cable and DSL because DSL was never regulated and cable was. And so he goes, you can kind of look at the trends and what has changed and what's been different um, in terms of investment and things like that. And so he goes, it's another not so short article. Um, <laughs> but very much worth your time. So thank you, Ben, for contributing. We we really appreciate it. Thanks also to Ajit Romano from Vox for telling us about how the comment system works. Get a life. You can tell, um, we'd also like to thank, thank uh, Del Cameron from Gizmodo who told us all about what's going to happen afterwards. You can also get a life. And um, we want to thank you, the listener, for joining us. We really do appreciate it. You can check out all the links to the show on furloughbros.com slash 316. That's 316. You can also subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And finally, this podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you and the delicious pizza. Mine was, it was a gluten-free crust with mm. mushroom and sausage on nice. top. It's you know, gluten-free delicious. crust, it can be pretty good. You know, it's, it's, um, it's chewy. Yeah. That's, uh, so as long as it's thin, it's okay. And um, I made some, I actually made some last week and I got the crust a little thick and it was like, you had to work through it, but you only need like two slices and you're full. So, you know, minuses. Gotcha. <laughs> um, that's a minus, right? Cause you want to eat a lot of, anyways, um, on this delicious note, I am James Furlow and my infinite brother is Matthew Furlow. And so we will talk next time. <laughs>